Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? What's up, guys? It's Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show, and we're back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This week is 378, episode 378 with Jake Weimer in studio. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of the year so far. I want to thank all our sponsors, Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, W Wheels, Roost, Gra- Roost MX Graphics, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, Ride Engineering, and OGO Bags. Uh, on the line with me, I've got a couple guests. Some of you guys may know, some of you may not. Uh, WUSA provides the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you race professional supercross or just a weekend warrior, W has the wheels for you. W can even restore your old wheels. Visit WUSA.com and let John and Kristen Anderson take care of you. WUSA proudly brings you the one and only Mr. Ryan Tanner, the designer. What's up, dude? Hey. Doing all right today? Doing okay. Good deal. Had a long day of work designing other stuff, but it's been good. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, We've also got one more person on the line, of course. And if you're if you're looking for a high performance seat cover, uh, seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing are providing seats for many of the top riders in the world. So visit gutracing.com today. Guts Guts Racing brings you Dan Colvin, Mr. Snap, the Snap on Dan from uh, Main Event Moto. What's up, Dan? What's happening? Not much, man. Just got off work and uh, happy to talk to you guys and do another episode of the wrap up show. So, um, you guys are longtime Moto fans. You guys are longtime Pulp fans. Um, what'd you think of episode 378 as a whole, Dan? It was uh, one of my favorite of the year so far. Yeah, it was a really good episode. Uh, Jake Weimer is actually a really good in studio guest. Um, I enjoy listening to him, his uh, insight and um, just a just a good dude. I enjoyed uh, all the guests, and uh, yeah, it was a really good show. Awesome, Ryan. How about you, man? You've uh, you've done some work for Pulp MX in the past. You were on the roundtable show with me and Hobo Nick and uh, Travis Marks. But what do you think of episode three seventy eight? Uh, I thought it was great, and I think it uh, points out a continuing trend that uh, writers are really restrained when they're in the business, but once they get out. <laughs> They could, they, you see that they have this massive personality, and I almost feel like we need to start just having more retired writers on because they bring it. Yeah, I agree. I laughed my butt off all night, very much like when Ron Villapoto's in. Um, so we're going to get yeah. in, we're going to get into Jake here a little bit. Um, yeah, he was a great host. Um, so just right off the bat, you know, they, they opened with, um, a, the topic of Nashville. So, what did you guys think of the Nashville race? Uh, Ryan, you first. Um, I was a little surprised at the performance of some of the riders, mainly Tomac, where I felt like it's just one of those flips, switch flip things where he just all of a sudden shows up. And, I again, like the question of what the last two years is like, when is he going to be what he was supposed to be? Um, and then also Cooper Webb, where it was like, what is going on there? 
it was just like a little bit of a switch flip there for him where I felt he wasn't as strong as he really usually is, but he also could be going into the, uh, just, I need to, you know, finish and not make a big mistake to finish out the championship. Cause I mean, he's not, he's not sealed, but he's pretty close. Yeah, I asked him that in the press conference, and he really didn't give a straight answer. And that now, one he was hurt come main event time. I mean, he wasn't injured necessarily, but he was hurt from when Michael Leslie landed on him. He came into the yeah, press conference sure. with a hell of a limp. Um, so, snap on Dan. What do you think of Nashville? I thought it was a really good race. Um, the track, I thought the track layout uh, provided good racing. Uh, it seemed like there was multiple lines and different options. I was actually a little bit surprised on uh, the soil and how hard packed it was i figured you know being in the midwest uh you know closer to the east coast even that it would be pretty soft and ruddy and um it it didn't show up like that but uh i thought the racing was good Uh, along with ryan said is i was a little surprised that tomac you know it's i was more surprised that he came from where he did and not so much that he won but yeah you know struggled you know struggled in the lcq i mean he didn't get that great of a start came to the pack fairly easily but you know he obviously had a you know not a superb gate pick going into the main event and then to come out get a pretty decent start he had a little bit of luck with Savachi and um and kenny going down but got in the lead and then checked out i mean it's it's like the old eli tomac <laughs> yeah that's what i was super surprised with him and I really looked for him to I talked to Daniel Blair this morning and we we're kind of discussing the race and I told him I said man I, I looked for him to, to you know close this thing out um, that's just what he does and at, at, at some point you got to think that he's going to start racking off wins again even though he's been a little inconsistent with a win and then he'll you know kind of shit the bed the next week right but, right um you're, you're a little biased because you are an Eli fan. Uh, and, you know, every week we think he should be able to do that. And you just never know what's going to happen. And, and we, you know, we talked to him in the press conference, and he's been asked a few times. And he talks about that window, that small window when his bike is right and, and the adjustments they have to make from week to week. And one of the things that Weimer said in studio uh, Monday night was that how, how small that window is is just weird. Um but then he said, also, you know, all riders are idiots, um, which I found pretty entertaining, um, but truthful, you know. <laughs> but it is odd that they have such a struggle finding that that setting that Eli week, wants week to week. Um, Ryan, you, you know, again, what, what do you think about that? You heard Weimer say that. What, what are your thoughts on, on the setup of the Kawasaki's? Uh, well, I was actually shocked to hear, like, the insight you had about them always seeming to have a couple little bit of problems with the bike itself. That was one thing yeah. when he talked about his time there. But, uh, I mean, I get it. I, coming from, not that I am, by all means, not a good writer. <laughs> but uh, just when you know, have insights in the professional sports, it's like it's literally the what makes people win and be winners is that little, like, 0.1%. And that, for a lot of supercross and motocross, is probably going to be part of the bike. And when it's not right, like, I can that's they're not comfortable and they can i mean they can feel every every bolt and every movement on the bike so yeah yeah. i can imagine that you're not comfortable like you're not willing to hang it and i i can see that and for some guys like Stu, like that he didn't care he was just going to pin it 
And then, you know, maybe Eli's a little more methodical about it. He's like, look, this risk isn't worth the reward. Well, for that, me not being comfortable. Yeah, that's exactly right with Eli. I think I, I asked him last year at a round. We were talking at, at a press conference on the Nationals. I was asking him about, um, you know, like all of us as media and fans, we talk about how long it took you to get up at some of the Supercross races and like what's going on with Eli. And he said, "Man, I'm not going to take a chance when I'm on the backside of a triple or in a place where I could get hit. It's not worth it." He is methodical. He does think these things out. And then on top of that, you have the issue with the bike smoking all the time and whether he is burning up clutches like Mathis was told or there's some other issue that has to get in his head when he's out there. If he knows that thing's smoking week in, you know, week in and week out, uh, the bike has broke a couple times. Man, I mean, would you want to hit a triple uh, snap on Dan with if you knew that that bike could lock up at any second because it was smoking? Yeah, you got to think that that's probably playing in his head somewhere. Sure. You know, but... You know, obviously, if, if it was a, a huge issue that, you know, something would be done or, you know, if I was going out there, you know, and I'm not a professional supercross and motocross rider either. And oh, I'm wait. Not well, contract, I, but... I've got to get you off here then. I thought we only had professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if I truly felt my life was in danger, I wouldn't throw my leg over the bike. Right. You know, and, and maybe that's why we're seeing him just – at times, it's like he's not even trying, you know. And, and yep. but in the same sense, you got to think that he went back to the truck. He, you know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Watch the the heat race, saw the bike locked up on TV, watched the LCQ, sees the bike smoking, and that's kind of an intent. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the bike um, is, is such a uh, such an issue. Personally, I. I think that uh, he's throwing the clutches with the hydraulic clutch. That's that's. I have a 19 Cali, and yep. it's something that I definitely have to get used to is the hydraulic clutch. I think that thing is getting so hot, it's building up crankcase pressure and steam, and that's what's coming out of the vent tube with the crankcase. Right, right. Uh, it could be totally wrong, but that's what makes the most sense to me. I don't necessarily think it's, you know, uh, what, what's causing these catastrophes, and we don't even know if it was a catastrophe, the motor blowing up, or what it actually was. Um, I, sure. I don't buy the. I don't buy as much as the bike as you know something's in his head. Right. Yeah. You, you, and you may be right. Um, of course, we'll probably never know. But and you mentioned the dirt earlier. Uh, the dirt was very hard. There was lots of rocks, and um, uh, one of the TPJ guys that works for TPJ told me like they were, during track walk they were picking bricks out. And I, after that, I asked a bunch of the riders, "Yeah, there's bricks. There's bottle caps. It looked like it was dirt from a job site uh, that didn't get sifted." Ben LeMay told me it looked exactly like the dirt they raced in arena cross out there. Um, and then another another rider told me that that's just the type of – if you dig down a foot or two anywhere in that area, you get all this rock and stuff. So it, it is uh, not the best dirt. It didn't seem to be, but the race really was good. It, it was a good event. So hopefully Nashville will stick around. Um, let's, let's move on to the show a little bit more. Dino came on. He was the first big guest of the night. Um, and with that interview came the new mantra for Dean, uh, Dean is Dean. Um, he, he talked a lot about, uh, his mental, his mentality of racing and how he's building confidence in the last few weeks, uh, as each race gets, he does better and better. It kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, I always think of Dino as a really s- strong, uh, ha- having a lot of confidence. The guy's fast. He's been around for a long time. Did it surprise you at all, Ryan, uh, him talking about he's still building confidence? Uh, I think I actually wasn't that surprised, only because, granted, he was going from 
a privateer bike to a factory bike, but yeah. like your whole world is different when you arrive at the races and it's a comfort thing. Again, that goes back to the mentality of the riders. To me, it was like, I could see that. I mean, he's, he's working back to where he really wanted to be. And I mean, he's now he's got the opportunity to build upon every race. And I, to me, it wasn't as surprising as I guess most people might think it was. Cause I mean, he's, as, as Steve has pointed out, these riders are frail. Their their egos are frail, and it takes a lot to build it back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, what about you, Dan? What do you think of uh, the 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 interview with Dean as a whole? But those comments in general, the the mental health, uh, mental capabilities, and his confidence. Yeah, I'm not I'm not totally surprised. Um, you know, you, you got to think that this guy's been through so much adversity in the last couple of years with injuries and, you know, he put in good results last year and, and was supposedly going to get the ride, you know, for Supercross and then kind of last minute uh, didn't get, didn't get on the program and went privateer and then back to the, uh, the Rockstar factory Husky team, you know, I, he's been through a lot of adversity. So, you know, I think really it shows what kind of, what kind of guy Dean is and, and how much belief that he has in himself um, to be able to, to, you know, to keep trucking with a positive attitude. And um, I, I really, I think a win is coming for this guy, um, you know, in, in, in the next year for sure, um, especially if he could stay on the program that he's on and, and continue building from where he's at. Um, and he's, he's he's really the whole the whole total package. And I, I yeah. guess uh, once we get to our hot take, that, that's <laughs> kind of my hot take is Dean Wilson. Uh, I can expand on that. but Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, save that. But, yeah. No, I just, um, yeah, he's a man. He truly is <laughs> yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah, Dean's great. He's a great personality. I think any team would be uh, be better off having him on the team. You know, and it, he talked about building confidence, but then he said something, that, you know, like he feels he's capable of being more than a backup rider. So he it does have confidence in his ability. I mean, so, Ryan, you may be right. He's just bu- building his confidence, working on with that particular team, being back on a factory ride. Um, but he wants to be more than a backup rider. He knows he deserves that. And then Weimer also chimed in and said, Hey, I know what that feels like. Uh, what do you think about that, Ryan? Well, I just going back a little bit, just, I think there's something about, there's a difference between having confidence in yourself. Yeah. But then the result of actually seeing the results, like you'd like, no, you can do it. But then when you do it, you're like, now I have a like, you have a goal, you meet it. Like I have another goal now. And so it's just, it's building on that. So there's confidence and belief, but there, there's, when you meet the goal, you have a new one. You still have confidence, but you now you're, you know, you've got to reach the next goal. And I think he's just going through that process now of like, all right, well, I wanted to get back on the factory bike. I got on the factory right, bike. Right. And you know, now I'm back on it. Now I need to get the results. I need to get a podium. Now I got a podium. And I think Dan, right. I think not to like, well, out his hot take if that's what it is, but I think a win it seems capable, especially if next year he gets to continue. So it's just the, it's a step by step progress thing. You meet a goal, next goal, meet a goal, next goal, and that's how these guys operate when you're at the top of the of the ladder. When it comes right. to anything. yeah, sure. Um, so one thing that uh, you know, I love this this interview. I loved Weimer's input and the stories they were getting into, but I was really, really disappointed that we never heard the damn pickup story. The pickup truck. Oh, me too. <laughs> we got to figure out, we got to get with Steve or, or Weimer, get him back on. Like, I think a full show of Weimer stories is in, in the future. It needs to be a separate thing, but we need the pickup story. Ryan, what do you think, man? Yes, it was like, they got to even the end of the show right before the sponsor reading. Yeah. They're like, 
hey, about that pickup. Yeah, we'll get into it. And the sponsor and then the rolls. And I'm like, what? Yeah, they, they left us. That was a major cliffhanger. I did not like that, Dan. How, how did you guys feel about uh, about Jake's stories? While he was drinking, was it was everybody waiting for like the punchline like I was? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I was. It was. It was very entertaining. It was hard for me to go to bed that night because I was like, I got to get to sleep, but I just kept waiting and wanting more. It was fantastic. Yeah. No. He's like a great dude, but man, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I was kept waiting for the punchline, and I'm like, okay, and then. Then another story would go on, and yeah. it, was, it was pretty entertaining. It really was. Yeah. So, hey, I uh, I want to change the subject just a little bit. Or they, they had talked about the difference in Supercross and Motocross just a little bit, and Jake made a comment about you can't luck into a Motocross championship, um, basically saying that Motocross is much more hardcore. You've got two long motos out in the heat. Um, you just can't luck into it, you know, whether you want to say Jason Anderson lucked into a championship, Supercross championship last year or not. Um, what do you guys think about the difference in motocross and supercross, the preparation? Uh, Dan, I'll let you go first. Uh, I think the outdoors is so much more grueling. You know, I, I think it takes a different mindset than supercross. Um, it, it, a lot of these rounds, it's extremely hot. Yep. Um, you know, it's the, the prep is much more intense than it is in supercross. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different factors that, you know, come into play in outdoor motocross and supercross. I mean, supercross, you're in a stadium, you know, you know all the stadiums kind of look alike, so on and so forth. Okay. All the tracks, you know, are, are pretty much you got the same track, but the, the jumps are in different spots and <laughs> yeah, the layout is a little bit different. Sure. You go into outdoor motocross and, you know, just the tracks, they are all totally different, totally different soils, um, different layouts atmosphere, elevation, heat. I mean, you got all these different factors, and uh, it just takes a different mindset, I think, to be able to truck through, you know, 12 rounds of outdoor motocross and put in 24 consistent motos to win a championship. Uh, you know, I think you can you can throw it away, you know, fairly easy on having a couple bad rounds. Yeah. So based off what you just said, uh, Ryan, do you think that we should – you know, we kind of seem to elevate Supercross as being a little bit more important than the United States. But then at the same time, the motocross seems to be much more physically demanding, more mentally demanding. Do you think we sh- there should be some leveling out somewhere, Ryan? Um, I don't know if there's a way to level them out, only because TV is always going to be better for Supercross, so there's going to be a bigger sponsor and team focus on Supercross. Um, more so with motocross, I would love to see more collaboration with the FIM to ensure that we know when the Motocross of Nations is going to be, where it's going to be earlier on, so we can schedule our schedule more accordingly. I think it would be better to have the Supercross as it is, maybe add around if you need to, have there be a bigger gap to when Motocross starts for guys to recover from Supercross Mm -hmm. and then have proper training and, and testing for it. And then maybe the motocross season bleeds right into the week right before the motocross of nations. You have the final round, then we go right into motocross of nations. Maybe there's a week or two weeks, whatever it is, but it's immediate. Yeah, yeah. And then so maybe there's like a month break between the supercross, and then maybe there's a month and a half after motocross. So there's more gaps for them instead of just running right through. Yeah, that's um, actually not a terrible idea. You know, instead of being two weeks, one weekend off in between supercross and nationals, have 
three or four weekends off, give the guys time to train so they're not having, or, you know, get bike setup done so they're not having to do it during Supercross season. And then, yeah, it would bleed right in just like the uh, GPs do into the MX Nations. I like that idea. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of response from people as to why that's a dumb idea, but sounds good to me. Um, but heck, I'm not the one racing, so <laughs> who knows? Um, so again, we were talking a little bit ago about some of the stories between Weimer and uh, that Weimer was telling. One of them he told in this this time frame of the show was the J J Law yelling at Dungey on the line and his mental intimidation. Man, I really feel like after listening to that, I've got to go back and watch those races. That time frame of when he was just totally fucking with uh, Dungey. Um, Dan, what did, do you remember that time? You know, in that era, and and how that was, and how mentally messed up Dungey got from J Law. Oh yeah, J Law was in Dungey's head a hundred. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, uh, J Law was in a lot of guys' heads. You know, he was <laughs> yeah. in RV's head. He, he was in a lot of guys' head. But you know, Dungey for some reason it certainly affected Dungey. You know, more than more than the rest of them. Um, it's kind of funny because I last year at the uh, Arena Cross Finals in Vegas, uh, I was standing behind the gate and it was the last moto and Ryan Brees. Um, I can't remember who was next to him, but Ryan Brees was yelling to the guy next to him on the gate, and it, it totally reminded me of J Law. Really? Um, oh yeah, but I mean, he was yelling and hollering and you know having a good old time, and uh, it just these guys are kind of looking at him, and I know it got. <laughs> in those guys' head, and then Brees got a freaking killer start right after that. So I love it. I'm going to ask Ryan about that this weekend at Denver. I've got to, yeah. I've got to ask about that. Uh, so, Ryan, what about you, man? Um, was that was that like a fun time watching Supercross for you, knowing that there was all this mental uh, intimidation going on and mind tricks, mind games? Yeah. There, I actually wish there, <clears throat> there would be more of this type of reporting and stories that could come out that were more credible. Like, I know Steve can report these things, but, mm-hmm. like, hearing it from a writer's mouth, that was there present. Oh, yeah. Just the idea of this, you know this stuff happens every week. Like, you hear about the writers in the 80s and 90s, like, they'd pull over, you know, they'd grab each other's brake levers and clutches and stuff on the line and all that stuff. Like, that's the stuff that I love to hear about, and you know it happens every weekend. And I, so those are the things and those stories that I love hearing about. And now hearing that story... It puts so much in the perspective of those that championship between yeah. Jalen and Dungey. Like, yeah, so much yeah. in perspective. You could probably get some of those stories out of some of the privateers. You know, if you got them on, and I bet some of those guys that really don't have major sponsors to upset, you know, they, they might tell some of those stories. And that's not a bad idea for the uh, privateer life pods that Steve does is to ask some of those guys, hell, give us some stories of some of the dirty stuff you see, you know, the, the mind games that you see. That That's actually a pretty good uh, line of questioning for him for the future. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump. As, as a oh, fan, yeah, go ahead. As a, as a fan, you know, as a fan of the sport, you know, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that, that we want to see, yeah. you know, and, and hear about, honestly. Because, you know, we see the stuff on TV, we hear the cookie-cutter interviews yep. and so on and so forth. Man, you know, the, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff is is truly what, you know, sparks the engagement of the, of the fan, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, that's why some of these, like, the, the spy moto video, the moto spy videos that have been coming up on YouTube and stuff, um, they're really focused on the top riders, but I wish they would get into some of those things. Like, after um, a couple weeks ago where, where Cooper and Marvin got together, I'd love to see some cameras in there, like, immediately, you know, 
tell us what happened, you know, tell us your thoughts and let's get the, you know, what's happening at the Baker's factory, you know, during the week, what kind of things are you guys, you're, you know, what's going on? There's gotta be more stuff that we're not here. And I definitely want to hear more of that, but finding yeah. somebody to tell those stories is going to be difficult. Um, all right. So I'm going to change subject again, just for a second. Uh, we're going to get off the pulp show for a moment. I was, uh, did you got either of you guys listen to the uh, review show from this week from the race Nashville review show? I have not. Okay. Well, there was some talk about Chris Blows and, you know, hey, a lot of people, a lot of fans are saying, oh, man, he needs a, a factory ride. Somebody should give him a shot. And Steve says he's too old, at which point JT immediately is like, uh, you're waffling. You, you always say that it shouldn't matter. The age shouldn't matter. You know, a guy like Chiz should get a job, you know, a, a good paying job because of his uh, his results, not not his age. That shouldn't matter. So we have a really good case here of Steve waffling. Um, JT was blown away. Ryan, as a longtime listener, <laughs> you know, what do you think about Steve waffling and his his wild comments from you know week to week and change at any just the drop of a hat? Uh, well, Steve sticks to his guns more than most, but that is surprising to, to take a stance when it's very beneficial to privateers since that's kind of his mantra yeah is if if you've earned it as a privateer regardless then you should get it or if it's available and you can get it that's always been his mantra so that is really surprising to hear that he's like bliss is too old (laughs) well it was pretty funny and yeah it took me by surprise i mean steve comes up with some wild stuff sometimes and you know like I mean, you just can't really always keep up with his thoughts or his ideas. Sometimes they're just very wild, but um, it was it was pretty damn funny when he said that. JT was like, wait, 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 wait. You know? What about you, uh, Dan? What do you think, man? Well, the age thing to me is, is such a weird deal because really, you know, what's Chris? 30, 31? Probably something somewhere not Yeah, I forget how old he is. They met, they talked about it on the on the preview uh, the review show, but I don't remember what his actual age is. It's, it's really not that old, and we always right. talk about motocross being uh, you know a young man's sport. But truly, you know, it's a young man's sport because if you look at it, a lot of the top riders, you know, you the Dungies, the Villapotos, have retired at a young age. So then all of a sudden, everybody says it's a, a young man's sport and so on and so forth. I mean, look at Chad. Yeah. You know, Chad's still getting top tens and whatnot. I truly believe that sometimes it takes a rider, you know, to, uh, you know, age a little bit to get better results. I mean, you look at some of these kids that come out of Loretta's, you know, the the, the Cantrells and the Fox, and they, they get a factory ride and they, they, can, they struggle. And it could be because they're just not mature enough. But you got a guy like Chris Bloss that puts in, you know, consistent rides. You know, who really should be getting that that the ride? Those factory rides. I, I don't necessarily think it should be these kids coming out of Loretta's that have no experience in, in professional motor supercross. Yeah, it's man, it's so hard for me to say. I'm not, you know, I see the business side of wanting to get these younger kids and the the up and coming, you know, quote unquote superstars. But yeah, then when you have a guy like a Chiz or a Chris Blows who every week are making mains and sometimes beating some of the guys that are being paid a lot more than they are, they deserve something better than what they get, you know. And again, I'm not a businessman, so I don't know how you make that happen. It, there's not enough spots. There's not enough money for everybody. But it um, it's certainly entertaining listening to those guys discuss it, <laughs> and I love when JT calls Steve out on stuff. The the tension between those guys is uh, some of the best stuff on the show. Um, so next up, Filthy Phil comes on, talks about his first round of Canada, which he said uh, 
didn't go super well. Um, I think everybody loves Phil. Uh, Dan, what do you thought? Think about Phil and his calls and um, calling. He called Cade Clayson an idiot, you know, for his thoughts on on the uh, bumping he did with Gurky. What do you think? Phil is pure gold, right? Every I mean, time. I'm a pretty upbeat person and uh, not a lot of negativity, but Phil is the only person that could be negative Nancy all the time <laughs> and totally pull it off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it's fun, and it's fun because if somebody else did it, you'd be like, "God, who wants? To, I don't want to talk to this guy." But Phil does it yeah. perfectly. No, he's such a good dude. It's, he's uh, <laughs> everything. Everything that comes out of his mouth is pure honesty. It's, it's comedy, and uh, you know, yeah. It's, again, it's you know, does Phil always put in the, the best results? No, but he's uh, you know, people enjoy listening to him and talking to him, and you know. Yeah, definitely. And that, other side. We we have a new we have a new fill drop at the outro of this show that that everybody here. We I had Travis pull something he said last night, so we're going to use that at the end of the show. Um, Ryan, what do you think about Phil? And and during that Phil interview, um, Weimer says that JGR is it's just not working out as a team. Uh, the Justin Hill thing's not working out, and they got into that a little bit. Discuss Phil and what you think of Weimer's comments about JGR. Uh, well, still, like Dan said, is gold. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think the thing that makes him so enjoyable to listen to is he's negative, but he's not like depressed. Like he's still like right. totally happy with his life and everything's good, but he's like still negative. It's very strange. Yeah. Like, he's a freak of where he's at, but he like hates it too. <laughs> right. So do you think? Do you think if he let's say he won, let's say he wins the championship in Canada, do you think he'll be like excited, or do you think he'll be oh, I could have done better? You know, what do you think is what do you think his personality would be at the championship ceremony? Honestly, I feel like he would like hold a plate up and be like, "Cool, I won." Like, yeah, right. so deadpan. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Phil is definitely one of the highlights. Well, I know, I, you know, I, 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 I suck the, the balls of the Matt Pulp and Mech show, but God, man, Phil is one of the best. Um, there's, there's a few that aren't my favorites, but Phil's definitely top notch. Uh, before we continue, let's, let's do some more sponsor reads real quick. BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Racetech Suspension and Engines, Michelin Starcross 5, Maxima Oil, X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, uh, all on board with the Pulp MX show and, and very thankful for those guys helping the Pulp MX empire grow and allowing us to do the Pulp MX, Pulp MX wrap-up show. Uh, next up on episode 378, Justin Cooper came on. Um, he's talked about his first race jitters and he's got some new motivation or needs new motivation. Um, you know, Justin's a, a tough interview. I like Justin. He's a nice guy, but he's, he, he's, he's hard to get anything out of. Um, Dan, what do you think about Justin? He, you know, he's pretty quiet. He doesn't say a whole lot when you know, he doesn't give a lot of detail. What do you think about an interview like that? Um, I just think it's an experience. Honestly. Yes. Um, Hopefully <laughs> it's, uh, if you look at the history of the Star Yamaha guys, they have never been a great interview. Um, <laughs> uh, they're, they're more seem like they're more focused on reading their sponsor plugs on the podium and so on and so forth. But uh, I think it's just an experience. I think that dude is uh, give him a year or two, and he's going to be a, a legitimate title threat um, in Supercross and Motocross. And and the dude is is more badass outdoors than he is indoors. So. You know, that guy, uh, it wouldn't shock me one bit to see that guy win the 250 outdoor title. 
Yeah, he he's had some really great rides last year, and I think you're right. Um, he is young, obviously, but I think you're right about his experience. Still, is still working on some stuff in Supercross. Um, Ryan, like I said, Justin, he talked about social media, um, the effect of just having to hear all the negativity from fans, um, and how that can affect him. what do you think about Justin and his comments on social media and also on public school, the disadvantages and the advantages that he felt later? Uh, well, I think, uh, when it comes to social media, his comments are, I mean, yeah, hearing that is terrible, but I've, I can't remember who it was that says that they turn it off. Is it Cian Cirillo? Basically says he turns it off like on Friday yep. or yeah, and it doesn't turn it back on. Like, yeah, I think that you're going to start seeing more of that. Maybe that's something he should be looking into. Is like, hey, you know what? I got a time when I got to turn it off, focus for the race, and then move on. Um, and then through the race, get through whatever happens, and come back on. But I mean, the negative feedback you're just going to hear whatever. The the people that are negative are going to be the most vocal people, and you can't really do much about it. They're going to complain to complain. Um, so yeah, it's it's just part of the game i guess yeah um well i feel like it didn't i feel like it didn't it didn't bother him as much as i would anticipate it uh you know he kind of said you know really what does it matter you know and he mentioned that multiple times whether or not he you know truly is, is bothered by it or not he didn't give me the sense that you know he it really bothered him too much you know yeah it's it's hard to not be bothered by that though I would think. You know, you have you see all the time all the negativity and people like, "Oh, you suck or you don't deserve this ride." Um, you know, social media is it's good in a lot of ways just in general, but it's also kind of an epidemic where everybody thinks that their opinions need to be voiced and and um I'm not really sure why there's so much negativity with social media. It seems really strange. Um but I yeah, I I know somebody that I saw recently that was like he posted on Twitter, why or on Instagram or one or the other? Why am I blocked by and he, and he you know tagged this person on Twitter or like he's he's been blocked for a reason? You, you know, you should, I just don't even understand how you get blocked. Like, what what's the point of if I don't like something or somebody, I don't feel the need to say it. You know, I'll just keep it to myself. I I don't really understand where all this negativity comes from. Um, Dan, what do you think about it? What do you think his where's all this negativity in our country stem from or in just in the world, I guess, in general, I think it's, I honestly think it's just a sense of entitlement. You know, people Good answer. feel like since they have the right to voice their opinion, that it's okay to do so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, the generation that we're in, you know, it, that's, that's just the mentality. Unfortunately, um, it brings a lot of negativity on the sport and, and uh, you know, with the riders and so on and so forth. It, uh, the social media thing is such a necessary evil, evil in today's day and age. Um, you really got to be able to manage it. And I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, as the social media progresses, I believe you'll see more, you know, people handling different Instagram handles for the riders. I don't necessarily think that they will have a personal Instagram that, you know, they are logging into because, right. you know, this is just going to continue to grow. And it can be a distraction if you don't know how to properly handle it. I think Cincerillo is one of the best people at handling that when he turns that thing off so he can get focused and he turns it back on when he's ready. Right. You know, and I think that that's a smart way to, to handle it. Yeah. So, okay, Ryan, shortly into the Justin Cooper interview came the highlight for me of the whole night. And that was when Will Hahn calls in and he just pretty much hijacks the interview with 
Weimer and they talk about uh, you know, Weimer's birthday and Will, Will got the, slept in the bed with him and Weimer's dad walking in. Um, like that was the highlight for me. That was the best part of the whole show. Um, talk about what you, your thoughts on that part, that segment was, and <laughs> should Justin Cooper be upset that his, his interview was hijacked? Uh, well, I, I was, I actually had the thought when it happened, I was like, man, did Cooper get off the phone? I was like, did I do something? Yeah. Did, did he, do, he just disappeared. And, I mean, granted, Mohan and Jake Weimer obviously have a good rapport, and they were they were risen, and so it'd be tough to just jump in there and, like, interrupt what was going on. So it's, I felt bad, because I honestly thought he had gone, like, just hung up, or someone, like, the so I was like, did I miss something? And they said, bye, Cooper, yeah. and... Like they just, I, I honestly forgot that was what, what that the interview was even going on. Like I completely forgot. Yeah, and yeah, and so, but the two of them riffing and and reminiscing really was was glorious. And there's another one of those stories that like you know those things happen all the time, and like that one is ridiculous. And I can't believe that that even happened. And then someone's father saw this. Just <laughs> ridiculous. Why we just kept he, he didn't like ever really give any details, but he, he was he, he was at that point fairly lit, I think, and just kept repeating himself like over and over. I, you know, uh, talk about just different things he was saying, like a different story where you know Will was in a turtle shell, my arm was in a sling, and he just kept saying it over and over. These stories just kept coming out. The uh, that was during the Nick White. Interview, show you this but, trick. I gotta show you this trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I have that wrote down. We're gonna get into that here in a minute. That was during the Nick Way interview. But his stories, like, just as he got more and more uh, drunk, it, it just got more and more entertaining. And then all of a sudden, they were, they talked to Justin Cooper for a minute, and he he doesn't really have like I can't. I always I would love to know what was going through his head. Dan, what did you think about that whole exchange? Oh, it was that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of feeling sorry. I was with Ryan. I thought I thought Cooper was gone off the phone, and all of a sudden Steve was like, "So Justin, so what do you think?" And I was like, "Oh God, Justin's still there. That's been like 15 minutes ago since we heard from him yeah, last." Exactly. You know? uh, but yeah, that no, was hilarious. So if if we could get Steve to bring the pulpies back, I don't know that there's even like needs many categories. Weimer's best host. Like right now, 378 is the best show. Best interview is Will Hahn, Jake Weimer. Like, I'm done. I'm, it's over. That's all, all I need. Uh, what do you, how about, talk about the Pulpies. Ryan, did you like the Pulpies? I loved them. I was pretty bummed they didn't come back around. I think they're great. Yeah. I, and I did a lot of work, damn it. And he, he just, like, yeah, we're not going to do it. So, how about you, Dad? Do you like the Pulpies? Yeah, I loved them. I'm, I'm bummed that he, that we didn't, he didn't do them again. I, Hope he brings them back for sure. Yeah. So Dan, I, I somebody, just I wonder, did somebody get butt hurt because they truly didn't get a pulpy? Is that what happened or what? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Randy Richardson uh, <laughs> joked about wanting one, and he, you know, I think he probably already has one or two. But um, no, I don't think anybody got butt hurt. I think Steve just didn't feel like doing it. Um, I, I don't think he, he felt like the response was that big. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but. He had me put like a bunch of notes together. I emailed him categories, and then he just didn't do anything with it. Right. Got to get back on him about it. Yeah, we'll 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 definitely make a push for it at the end of this year. Um, Dan, I want to. I just thought of this, and you know, you're a big you're big friends with Daniel Blair. You've sat in the main event show um, numerous times. You've um, I think you've sat in studio with Pulp too, right? I haven't. Uh, I was actually going to do the one after 
uh, indie, but I ended up not making it to indie, and I missed that one. Okay, so I just want, you know, as a friend of Daniel's and sitting in the show and then being a fan of the Pulp Show, um, tell me what you like, you know, what the, what the positives are for Pulp and then the positive, like what you like about main event that maybe are a little different. Um, I think what Daniel's show, what I, what I truly enjoy is, um, it's kind of no holds barred. Um, you know, he pretty much speaks his mind as a, as a guest on the show. Um, we're, you know, we're pretty much given an open forum, you know, whatever I say, goes you know i've never been told hey you know don't say something yeah um and i like that i I like the 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 honesty and the the pure raw material um what i like about steve shows are just the content i mean you you truly don't get any better content out anywhere than pulp mx um the guest um steve is just awesome at doing at doing podcasts uh he keeps your attention um, and that's one of the cool things is, you know, it's a five hour show. Yeah. You yeah. know, to, to be able to listen to somebody for five hours, um, really says a lot. So, Agreed. Um, both great shows. Um, those are those two. And then, uh, the Moto X pod, the, the three that I pretty main. <laughs> yes. To, you know, we're in there. <laughs> yeah. Moto X pod, Moto X pod show.com. Thank you. You got all these, uh, podcasts now. It's like, God, man, where do you find time to, to listen to them all and, and how do you prioritize them? You know, and that's, right. unfortunately I think that's what, uh, these newer podcasts that are, that are launching. That's what these people are going to find that, you know, um, it's going to be hard to grow them just for simple time fact, you know, time factor of, sure. of the people listening to them. Yeah. We we're we're seeing that with ours. Ours kind of has the Moto X pod show is kind of leveled out a little bit. Actually, I take that back in the last week and a half, we've grown about a thousand listeners, which is pretty, I, I really feel like that's got a lot to do with me doing this show for Steve. Um, and a lot of people didn't realize that I even do a show with myself and my buddy TJ. Um, but you know, yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years and we love doing it. It's fun. Uh, hopefully it'll continue to grow. But, um, Ryan, what do you, what are your favorite parts of what Steve does in the Pulp Mech show? And, and actually give me something that maybe you wish he did better. If you, if you have one, uh, this is only because of how limited my time is. I mean, I would be okay with the show being shorter, maybe like a half hour, forty five minutes. Oh wow! But okay. that's only because I get—I don't get to watch it live, and I really or listen to it or watch it live. Yeah, which I love to do, but I—I I, I don't have the opportunity to. So I have to listen to it in podcast form, usually the next day in chunks, like at work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's maybe it's, and that's just me. I'm very specifically like have a problem with the length. But that doesn't keep me from listening to the whole thing. I always listen to the whole thing. Um, but as far as the content itself, I think it's great. And what Dan said is true about there's something to be said about listening to someone for five hours. And I think part of it has to do with how natural it sounds. Like he doesn't sound like he ever feels like he's, oh, I'm in front of the mic and I got to like be on. Like when you talk to, when you hear Steve on, on the mic, it, that's like, I imagine that's how Steve is. Every day, yep. talking to his friends, it and, is. And so it's no different. It is. I've and seen so him in the press. That, I've that seen. Nat- I was gonna say that natural feel is what keeps you engaged. And um, I mean, I've had. I used to listen to many different podcasts, and and when they don't feel natural, it's noticeable, and it's, yeah. it's hard to hold your attention. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel conversational, and and that's one thing. The show and the people on the show, like JT and everyone that's always a part of it. That's always done well. 
Yeah, I, I've sat next to him or behind him numerous times in the press box at races, and you're right. He does the show at the press at the in the press box. You know, this weekend Dan Truman and Chad Reed came up and talked. To, we're sitting next to him. JT sitting next to him. We just sitting next to him. Um, and they're talking. They're talking about what's going on, on the track. They're talking about things they have in the pits. They're telling the story that he told with um, J Bone and having to tell Justin Hill that you know, you suck that like, I heard that story two or three times and it's in the same form. They're just talking like it's normal. And when he does a show, it's basically the same thing. Uh, and that's something like, you know, I, I definitely struggle with, with our show that trying to be comfortable and it's, it's an art and he's been doing it a long time. Um, and again, I want to, I, I appreciate him allowing me to do this and hopefully try to get better. Um, and as listeners, anybody that's listening to this, if you guys want to get involved and do the show with me, like Ryan and Dan are right now, uh, hit me up at pulp or pulp at darkside at pulpmx.com. And that's also where you could submit your BTO hot takes, which we're going to be doing in a little bit. Uh, and I'll try to read some of those. I've got a couple this week that I'm going to read. Uh, but next up on episode uh, 378 was Nick Way. Nick Way is always a good guest. He's funny, uh, very, very intelligent. Um, and that this is when he was on was when I decided like we needed a, an entire show with Jake Weimer telling stories because this is where he talked about the turtle shell and one bad arm. Um, you know, it was just it was fantastic. Um, what what do you guys think of Nick Way, Ryan? Nick Way is the shit. Like, <laughs> That's simple. He, he he's like, well, it's just when when Nick talks on the show and tells his stories and the way he is, like that is how I am with my friends. Like the shit talking, the <laughs> how you're smart ass to each other. Like he, that is exactly how I am with my friends. So the connection to me is just there. Um, I love hearing him tell his stories and stuff, and his outlook on everything is spot on for how I look at things. Um, so I love I love when Nick's on and yeah. uh, he should he should have taken his pulpy and uh, <laughs> he doesn't care. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he the fact that he was at Freestone, you know, Saturday morning a couple weeks ago, I think two weeks ago before he no, when he was Seattle, so he's at Freestone and then he gets on a plane Saturday morning and flies to Seattle to help out AC. Um, pretty impressive like i wouldn't i didn't think he would be that dedicated to being a rider coach dan what do you think about nick way you like him no i love nick way hard not to really like about i know right and i'm a cali guy and he's a cali guy so uh no one thing i do like about nick is is he's uh very uh mechanically inclined oh yeah you know you, you get a lot of riders that you know they know how to ride a bike but they don't know how to work on a bike they don't know anything about a bike parts wise anything like that with Nick, man, he you know he could tear down a bike and you know put a bike back together. I, I like that, and I like listening to you know his information that he puts out, you know, on that kind of stuff. Or when he at least when he talks about it, yeah. Uh, but again, he's just a, a solid guest. Get pure honesty out of him, and uh, man, I I really credit him a lot for what uh, Adam is doing this year, um, as far as maturing as a rider and and work on his technique. I mean, he looks much better on the bike. So yeah, so. Um, Based off what you just said and how much you like him and and his technical side, when Steve has a guest like you know a a Dino who's talking about last weekend's race for the most part, or you have the choice between a let's say a mechanic or an, a, more of an insider that has a different perspective and a technical side, would you choose the technical side the the person that you don't see on the podium every week and hear that interview? Would you choose that over a rider? 
Uh, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I absolutely would. Yeah, because, you know, we, we, we hear riders all the time, you know, and, and it's, like I said before, a lot of the interviews and stuff are canned, and, yep. you know, you hear the same thing over and over. As a fan, you know, and as a, as a rider myself, a lot of us, you know, we work on our own bike and so on and so forth, and, you know, we like that information. And to get that info and to be able to relate to it directly, I'm in the, I'm in the tool business, right? Yep. So I snap on tools. Snap on, Dan. So, you know, we, we, we like to be able to, you know, put ourselves kind of in the same shoes as these people. And, and I think we relate to those guys better than, you know, some of these riders that we hear these canned interviews from. So I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and and the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, is what we want more of, right? And Ryan, you're you're a technical guy. You're you do web design. I believe you helped a, a tremendous amount with the Pulpamex app. Um, I think, that if I'm not mistaken, do you like the technical stuff more, uh, or what kind of interviews do you like the best? Uh, I I tend to prefer the retired riders. Okay. Uh, more like specifically the retired riders because of what I was stating earlier. They're more they're okay. more open and free. The current riders are obviously they feel all kinds of other outside pressures, but like every time, like for instance, when Steve has Jeff Ward on, I'm texting Travis like, "Hey, when when are we going to go do the calls? I'll call in. I'm not listening live, but text me when <laughs> nice. Wardy's on. I got questions. Awesome. And so you know, like I like hearing about those guys' stories, um, but I do like the technical stuff. I'm just not as mechanically inclined. Granted, I've toured. I could tear down a two stroke. But I couldn't tell you a damn thing about a four-stroke, which is hence why I still have a two-stroke. So, you know, I can go down there and I'll tear everything apart and replace what I need to, but some of the four-stroke stuff loses me, and I'm not as mechanically inclined. But it is cool to hear about because there are so many things going on on those bikes. Oh, no doubt. And I've learned a lot from listening to those two, those segments. So, yeah, definitely. And thank God some of those guys come on, like Berluti, because I've had to call Berluti and actually have him walk me through some steps on some things. So I, I like the technical stuff, too, because like you, well, I can do some general maintenance stuff, but those four strokes are complicated. Yeah, I mean, like, one thing that, and even when Kiefer's on, and, he, you know, he's highly technical, like, things that I just had no idea what they would do, he laid them out in a way that was understandable for even me. Like, when you know, what happens when you move the forks up and down and what that does to the bike and how it handles it. Like, those type of things... Are beneficial to me, even though they're highly technical. Uh, those those things are cool. And when Kiefer talks about it, he has a really good way of being able to put out like layman's terms, so they're easy to understand. Yeah, for sure. Um, so le- the race tech rant was uh, Steve kind of he he complained or he was ranting about the listeners, you know, being pissed about the first hour of last week's show, which was the the mountain bike hour, uh, first hour of episode three seventy seven. He says basically, fuck off. Um, which, hey, it's his show. Um, I love when he rants about stuff, and, and especially when f- listeners are involved. And, and he's kind of, I, I was one that did not really care for the mountain bike hour. Um, Dan, do you think that Steve should should care that the listeners didn't like that hour, or just go with it? No, you got to go with it. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't enjoy it, you know, but in the same sense, it's, it's relatable to our sport. It's not like, you know, they were talking about basket weaving. You know, they were talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, mountain biking. That's it's, true. It's a direct correlation to our sport. And if we're going to grow our sport and we get dollars from other industries, unfortunately, you know, that's the kind of stuff. And, and Steve was dead on, man. He gives us, you know, 10, 15 hours a week of content every week. 
I think he could spare, you know, a, a one hour for some mountain bike talk. Yeah, and Ryan, my opinion. yeah, and Ryan, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Is do we as humans even deserve to express every one of our opinions openly? I mean, really, I, it's not for us to. What, what's the point of telling Steve all oh, that sucked? You know, just deal with it because ninety nine point nine percent of the time the content's good. Yeah, I, I don't know what your mental space has to be to be complaining about that. I mean, granted, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Because one, number one, I couldn't get, I can't get over how expensive those bikes are. Every time they bring up that bike, I'm like, that's like eight grand. I could buy a brand new YZ250 for that yes. or something like that. That uh, that is the hurdle for me. But the fact that he's talking about it, like, is it really worth it to call in to a voicemail and bitch and moan about it? Like, it does nothing. It does it does nothing for anyone. And Steve doesn't give a shit. Right. Just like Dan said, he's. He's got to talk about this twenty four seven, seven days a week, every week for an entire year. He does it every day, moto, moto, moto. Like, give the guy a break. Like, yeah, he yeah. has to be on more than he's off. Right. So, let, like, let him do something else he's passionate about for just a tick of time. And quite honestly, if he gets enough, you know, in my opinion, you get enough complaints about something like that. Next time, he'll just do it for two hours. You know, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was totally. Right. And we also had a voicemail rant uh, where guy was bitching about um, the, the fact that they're changing the tracks because he feels like, quote-unquote, teams, mainly Roger DeCoster, KTM, are complaining that their riders are not doing well in certain sections, so they're going and changing the track. Um, Dan, do you believe that there's any uh, possibility that this is actually happening? Uh Yes, I do. Okay. And you may have some insider uh, info if you talk to Daniel. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I've seen some things. Okay. I'll just, I'll just let it, you know, and I've never heard a conversation. I've never, I don't know anything more than that, but I have seen some things that made me scratch my head um, relating to that. And, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. You got you to gotta wonder. You, you just got to wonder. All right. Well, Ryan, how about you? Do you think it's going on? And if it is, do you think it should be allowed? Should the track or whoever is dealing with it actually take those, you know, it's okay. Like they should change the track if there's something dangerous. But if one rider is struggling with a certain section, I don't think there's any reason that the they should be changing the track to, to appease a team. Yeah, I don't think the track should ever be drastically changed to appease a team. But and I and I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if it's happening. But right. if it were to be happening, if there's any one person I believe that would have the pull to do it, it would be Roger DeCoster. There's no one else that I would even think would have the the balls or the reputation or respect to be able to get something changed other than Roger, Roger DeCoster. Yeah, and I agree which with is that. What gives that story, so, which is what gives that story a little bit of validity. Is like, well, I mean, it is Roger. That is true. He, I mean, he's the man for a reason, and he has a lot of respect in the pits and through the AMA, and it failed everybody. So um, I'd, I'd hate to know that was true, but I'd probably be a little um, silly if I don't take into account that it could be true. That's probably, actually, probably fairly likely. Um, you know, and I guess that, and probably yeah. in every sport and every 
sport, racing series, whatever, there's probably a little of that where people have a little bit too much power and can change the outcome of certain things. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm over the mindset from back in the day where if the track was tough and you couldn't do it, then you just lost. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's just the way it was, and, and that's the way it should be. Uh, Dan, what do you think about um, what do you think about all the complaints about the announcer? Steve brought it up that you know it, enough's enough, leave it alone, is what he said. Um, it, it's kind of getting old. It's like we know that there's that people don't like the announcers, but I, are we making too big of a deal out of it? Uh, no, I, I, yes and no. Okay, I mean I'm a little biased here, you know, uh, yeah. and and uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Daniel's a friend of mine, and you know, putting that aside, I think Daniel's natural ability to call a race and announce and point things out, you know, is second to none. Um, will he be in the booth or advance? You know, one day I, I believe so. Um, but until then, you know, it's we got who we got, and um, you got to think that over time. That I'm just gonna say it's everybody's bitching about Ricky. Everybody's bitching about Ralph forever, but the whole new thing is Ricky. Yeah, you know I think Ricky will get better. You know, or if there's somebody else, you know, uh, alongside Ricky, maybe in the in the future, maybe it'll make Ricky better. I don't know. Do they need to to work on it? Yes, they do. Um, but it's to the point now. You know, we're, we're you know we're 13 weeks or 14 weeks into this thing. It's like. Let it go, guys. Yeah. Just watch the race. Enjoy the race. You got to put on mute. Mute it. It's to the point now where when I hear one of them say something off the wall, it just it goes right over my head. Yeah, and yeah I, I, I agree. Ryan, you just got to let it go. Ryan, what do you think about all the complaints? Are they? I mean, they're warranted to some degree, but is it getting to be too much? Yes. So I, yes, it, complaining about it at this point is stupid because. One, Feld is not, or NBC or whoever is not going to change because of the Pulpamex fans complaining to Pulpamex. Why not? Uh, yeah. But I, I think there's something to be said about Ricky himself, and not Ricky himself, I should say, is that there, how Steve keeps talking about the qualifications, the qualifications why Daniel doesn't get picked. And I think Dan's right. Like, Daniel is, again, back to natural conversation. Like, he sounds natural. And the thing, the thing that I will connected to is like professional sports like stick and ball baseball or basketball football you never hear about a head coach that was the superstar player all of a sudden be a superstar head coach because that superstar had an immense amount of natural talent and things came easy to them they can't break down the things they do because it happened so easily for them that's why when you have a, a good head coach, they were probably just some college player, some guy that didn't make it or had to work harder than everyone else because they understand the details yeah. more than anyone else. Yep. And that's why I think Daniel would be a better better option, or anyone for that matter, that wasn't a multi-time supernatural protege that made it because they don't understand the details as way as someone else like Daniel had to who had to fight for every little bit to even make it somewhat there. So I think that's part of the problem is the credentials thing that they keep talking about. That's a great point. Um, okay, we're going to move on. We've got a couple more topics I want to touch on. Uh, let's get into Nicole Weimer. She comes in at the end of the show. We've been hyping up the the DM se- Nicole Weimer's DM segment for a long time. Um, 
I felt it was a little anticlimactic, man. They, uh, I was expecting a lot more uh, dirtiness, a lot more, you know, craziness. There was a couple, but I was a little bit disappointed. Um, Dan, what 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 do you think? Did you enjoy the segment? Did you listen to that part of it? I was a hundred and ten percent disappointed. In fact, I, I finished the show last night, and I was we were on our way home. I picked up my daughter from daycare, and we're on our, we're on our way home from dinner. And my wife was in the car, and uh, everybody, my wife, including, loves Kiefer After Dark. You know, I think we all do. Yep. So when you know Steve said, "All right, well, we're going to wind it down, and we have Nicole, you know, Nicole on, and we're going to, you know, do the little After Dark session," I shut the I shut the radio off. And, yeah. And uh, I told my wife, I said, "I don't want I don't want Kayla to to hear this. You know, I'll listen to it when we get home." So I get home, I listen to it, and I'm thinking, "Shit, I could have listened to that in the car." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No. Hey, yeah. But what does, what does blow me away is like, I, I just don't get it. How these guys think or go about sending a DM to a married, you know, female that is married to a ex Supercross champion. Like, what do you think? She's just going to leave Jake and just go after some, you know, schmo off the street? I, I just. I don't get it. Well, why wouldn't she when you keep telling her how beautiful she is? I mean, of course. Of course she's going to be excited by that. <laughs> that was sarcasm, right. by the way. But, yeah. How about yeah. you, uh, Ryan? What did you think of the segment? Uh, like I said, I, it, it's been hyped up for like a year, and I was I was bummed. I was actually, yeah, I was bummed too. And I was, I guess more so is that I was just shocked that they weren't dirtier. Yes. Like, I was like, how is this possible that there weren't things that were, like, really bad? I mean, one guy just like, show me your feet and, like, oh, show me your boobs. It's like, that's pretty much standard procedure for all women, isn't it? Like, right. where's the next level stuff? Yeah, and, and it was sort of funny. Okay, so first of all, when I called in and I asked about him, Jake said, well, she took, she took some out that she thought were fake. And I'm wondering if those were the dirty ones. You know, like, she didn't think they were realistic because they were too dirty. Because they seemed, her, Jake and Nicole seemed to think, that the ones that they read were really something. And I was a little surprised by that, Ryan. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Yeah. And, and that, I love, to, I love, go ahead. I love Jake's laugh though. Yes. All through it. His laugh was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want anybody to think that we're bashing on Nicole or Jake by any means, because you know, they read what they read and she gets, she, you know, and, and it wasn't there. It was just a little disappointing, the actual content. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that everybody else agrees with me. That, that makes me feel a little bit better about it. All right. So, um, next topic real quick, things that Steve says wrong. So, um, everybody knows all the riders and Steve say, yeah, no, yeah, no. Um, he also says also too, which basically, I, I don't know if I've said that on, this on here, but those are the same words. If you say also, or you say to T O O it's the same word. Um, but last night or Monday night, he said, I'll borrow you. I'll borrow you some money. Meaning he, he was meaning I'll lend you some money when Jake was talking about having a $300 limit, but he said, I'll borrow you some money. Drives me crazy. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Canadian thing. Yeah, probably. Is there anything else that stands out that you can think of off the top of your head that Steve says that is a little bit wrong, but just part of who he is? Ryan? Is that for me? Yeah, sorry. 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 Uh, I honestly, while I respect language and I try to use it as best as possible, I almost never catch those things. Like, I don't even notice them. Okay. I did. I did catch the borrow one, but the also two thing and stuff like that. Just I never. 
it's never jumped out at me to where I'm like, oh, it's annoying. And even after it was dated, you know how you you know you buy the car and you see the car all over the place. Like after you guys talked about this the last time, yeah. Like I think it was brought up on a show, and I was like, I'm still like it just it's over my head. I never even noticed it. Fair enough. Nothing wrong with that. Dan, how about you? Any of that stuff get on, bug you, or do you notice anything in particular? Nope. I, I've never noticed anything uh, in particular that jumped. The only thing that's ever jumped out at me was last year when Ricky, and, and I'm not bashing Ricky, but when he was on the floor, he would say, okay, okay. He would say okay a lot, and I haven't heard him say it this year at all, so it's definitely yeah. an improvement, but yeah, I've I, I don't really typically notice stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure I, I, I do it. I do get bothered by stuff like that, and it's just my own little tick or whatever. But I do it also when I edit our the videos that I record at the races or whatever. Every time I go into an interview, I say, "All right." It's like I say the same thing. I repeat things like that. Like you were talking about, okay, and it drives me crazy. But I don't know how to change it. It's just something you do. Um, but yeah, the the also too is the one that drives me insane, and he'll probably do it more and more now. All right, let's wrap this up. BTO hot takes. Um, so first, I'm going to read a couple that I got um, through uh, darkside at pulpmx.com through the email. So if you guys want to send yours in for next week, pul- uh, darkside at pulpmx.com. But the first one is from uh, Brian Kling. He says, Chase Sexton wins East title and is a 2021 450 MCR rider after not being able to secure a factory rider after his one year to defend. Any thoughts from you, Dan, or Ryan, on that? Let's go, Dan. Any thoughts on that? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, we, I mean, it's, it's, a good, it's a possibility. I mean, we don't have to discuss these hot takes too much. Ryan, any thoughts at all, or just move on? Uh, my question would be is, I'm not exactly sure. Chase Sexton is 19 or 8. How old is he? I believe he's 19. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know. There seems to be a trend of guys not moving up until they're, 24, 25. So I, I mean, is it safe to say that he, I don't know. I, he's a title and that might be true. That might be true. Yeah. I mean, if he wins the title and then he defends it and he has to point out, I mean, he has to go somewhere or, or the quote unquote rules change. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right. So I got another one here and we'll just read it and we'll move on. This came from Tyler Smith. I don't see how Tomac or Muskin can, Muskan can stay at their respective manufacturers going into next year. In my opinion, Tomac should have re-signed the last time. I'm not sure what that last part means. Um, you guys, either of you, Ryan, think that those two riders will be with their current teams next year? Ryan. Yes. I mean, isn't Tomac signed through next year, or is this the contract year? Uh, it's up in the air. There's rumors that he's already re-signed, but I think he still has one more year. So, yeah, I think you're right. So maybe the guy he probably think, means once the contract runs out. Yeah, I think that next year Tomac is still there. I do think Cian Cirillo goes there and Savachi is out, or they go three man. But I'd be shocked at that. That's the hot take is if they went three man. But right, uh, no, I, I don't think there's any way KTM gets rid of Muskin. Like, there's no way. Uh, and you don't think you don't there's, think he'll want to go somewhere else? No, okay. I don't think so. He he just doesn't seem like he has any kind of animosity towards. Like he wants to beat Cooper, yeah. But he doesn't strike me as the guy that's like, I'm going to take a shittier bike, right? To not be on that guy's team. No, I think he's on the perfect program for him. I think you're right. All right, let's get to your hot takes. Um, snap on Dan. Let's go with you first. What's your hot take? BTO uh, okay, hot take. A BTO hot take is Dean Wilson, the most valuable rider in Supercross. Explain. Uh, here's what I here's what I mean by this. Money. Smith. <laughs> What's that? 
Is that, is that a money spent on him question or answer? <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. You know, so if you look at you look at sponsorship and you look at results, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson is a he's putting in results. He's getting he's getting good um, finishes. He's getting good qualifying. He's on top of the board a lot. He came from a privateer bike back onto a factory bike. He's got a lot of drive. Got a lot of will. He's got some good, you know, private sponsors in Ignite, um, the CBD thing. He's got bad grandpa. I mean, the, the guy is, is a, you know, if, if I'm looking at somebody to sponsor and to spend money on, I'm looking at Dean Wilson. You know, in my eyes, I would much rather have a guy that is in the spotlight that, like that and, and giving back more to fans and, providing more value in a different manner than just race results. Yeah, he, he's a marketing dream. Over, yes, that gets looked over so much, I believe, in our sport. You know, I would much rather have a guy like Dean Wilson versus, you know, a, either a Tomac that gets results, but that's all you see from him is, is he, he lights the candles on Saturday night and that's it. Right. You know, but throughout the week, you got Instagram, uh, Instagram videos and photos from Dean. He's funny. I mean, it's just, man, that would be the guy that I would want on my team. I like it. Here's like a, here's like a sidebar hot take. Who do you think sells more bikes for Husqvarna, Dean Wilson or Jason Anderson? Oh, in my opinion, you know I mean? like in my opinion, it's Dino. Right, and so that's that exactly like what Dan's saying, like. He's go- Dean is going to sell you more bikes than Jason Anderson's title and wins. Absolutely. Right. All right, Ryan, let's uh you you texted me earlier and asked if you could have two, so I'm gonna give you two, but let's get your first BTO hot take. I'm I'm I think I'll just make it one. Okay. But my BTO hot take my BTO hot take is a historical one. And I asked Stark said if this was okay, and he said it was <laughs> uh to have a historical hot take. My historical hot take is if four strokes Never took over racing. Ooh. James Stewart would break Ricky Carmichael's 150 wins and MC's 72 Supercross wins. That's I, and I believe that. That's pretty exciting just to think about, like what could have been, right? I mean, God, what? But then, would the racing have been much more boring than what we're seeing in the last couple of years? What do you think? It would have been boring, yes, with one guy <laughs> winning. But I true, like honestly. The things that Stewart did on a two-stroke that set him apart are negated by a four-stroke. Right. So oh, yeah. Keeping momentum through corners, jumping longer things, and making bigger rhythms. I 100% believe most of the rhythms on the four-strokes couldn't be done on two-strokes, but Stu would probably do them on a two-stroke. And so I think it took away, like, his biggest advantage. It would be like, hey uh, – you have this badass Lambo, and we're putting a limiter on it, and <laughs> right, you right. can only go this fast. I like and it. So it just it like brought everyone else up. Yeah, whereas he was so far ahead of everyone, he was five or six years ahead of anyone. He was going to sweep everything. Yeah, yeah, I, that's very, very likely. Um, snap on Dan. What do you think about Ryan's hot takes? Pretty good one, dude. That's legit for sure. For sure, taking uh, throwing it back a little bit. You mentioned MC. Did uh, either of you guys notice the, the spin on the back of uh, McGrath's helmet this weekend from Nashville? I saw the picture. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah, yeah. 
Hey, Dude, that'd be rad to bring those back. Speaking of MC, before we wrap this up, this is kind of a funny story. So uh, I'm friends with Elizabeth Hooker, who was this week's Makeup to Mud. Um, I had set up a little meet and greet with her, with Eli Tomac for her, because that's Eli. Eli was her favorite rider. So we're sitting in the Kawasaki tent, and the sun was in her eyes. MC's walking in, and I say, hey, look who's walking in. She looks over, and she goes, is that Ralph? As in Ralph Shaheen. Dude, I died. And I told Ralph this later, and he was so excited. He's like, oh, I am so telling MC this. It was fantastic. So Elizabeth will be embarrassed, but it was very, very funny. I enjoyed that. Anyway, um, that was a little... That, that was useless, oh, a useless funny. story, but it was funny. Um, hey, Ryan, uh, Dan, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. I appreciate it. Um, do a quick sponsor read, and then we'll say our goodbyes. Uh, thanks to Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO Bags, Ride Engineering, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vortex Piston, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engines and Suspension, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oils, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, uh, all the great sponsors that make the Pulpamex show happen and allow the wrap up show to happen. Again, Dan, thank you. Ryan, thank you. Uh, hopefully, that everybody likes the show. Please send your comments to darkside at pulpmx.com. Send your BTO hot takes to the same email. Uh, check me out, Darkside, at, at the Moto Xpod show. We do that on Tuesday nights. Um, hit up Snap on Dan if you want some Snap on tools. If you want a website design, it, I would say Ryan Tanner's probably your guy if he has any time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man, for doing All right, well, we're out of here. See you next week. Why would you want to re talk about the Pulp Show? See you.